Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. All right, it's episode 13. Pain points of wealth, the news in plain sight. You've seen the headlines. We give you the real story. And guys, you know, finally, we're past the election. We can put that worry behind us. So I thought we could talk about what we can worry about next. <laughs> so <laughs> as the economy continues to reopen, you know, we've seen a spike in coronavirus cases. We've seen in Europe a couple different countries start to lock down again, like Germany and France. And you know, there's a lot of, I guess, uncertainty now about how we're going to keep reopening the economy. And from here, you know, where do we actually go? And I think that's like the next headwind that we've got to worry about. That's what everyone's talking about anyway. Yeah, but you know, I don't understand, guys. Why do we always have to have uncertainty? I mean, I've been doing this for 45 years. I want to wake up one morning, have my coffee, and then send out an email to everybody. I have certainty. Yeah, well, good luck with that, right? That doesn't sell newspapers. That doesn't sell media. And basically, there's always something to worry about. And I think that's the biggest misconception is, oh, there's going to be some magical day where there's nothing to worry about anymore. It's the perfect day to put your money, get it invested in the markets, and you're going to see everything go up and you're going to basically invest perfectly. Well, I think there is certainty in a cloud of news that says things are uncertain. Like, you know, everybody was so concerned about the second wave. Well, guess what? We've been hearing that since March. And all the people that I talked to that wanted to pull out of the market, Back in March, we're concerned that we were going to have this big second wave in October. And now that it's going on, it's not really that big of a surprise. It's not a surprise. I think it's lost a surprise factor, Chris. But you know, the headlines last week, Europe shutting down, Germany shutting down, France is shutting down. That was the fear that everyone has. But you've got to get past the headlines because if you really read the article and read what's going on in Germany, you know, Germany's schools are open. That doesn't sound like a lockdown to me. You can get your hair cut. You know, some of our politicians can go over there and get their hair done without being put on national TV, right? So, and then in our country, you can't have a national mandate, right? It's all done by local government in terms of who shuts down and who doesn't. Right. You were saying the other day, you said they're going to shut down the country again. You've been in Manhattan now for months. It's been shut down. What are they going to shut down the shutdown? Well, that's the thing, too, is that, I mean, the, for better or for worse, the fact that the states decide these what shut downs, what doesn't shut down, it's never going to be unanimous, right? You're never going to get to see a full shutdown. And we know, depending on how that state leans, you know, there's in some cases, there's no way they're going to lock down again. You're starting to see what we call lockdown light, Bob, right? Maybe they're limiting indoor capacity. You know, maybe in some cases you can't congregate in big groups, but it's not a full lockdown like we saw back in March. And furthermore, you know, there's time to anticipate it now. So if you're a business, and you know there's going to be some sort of lockdown, you can make adjustments. You couldn't do that back in March. It was a big surprise. Well, let me ask you a question, Chris. So, you know, just had a birthday. So for your birthday, I'm going to give you a cruise anywhere in the world, anytime you want to go. Would you go next week? <laughs> no. Okay. Now, I don't blame you, Chris. I wouldn't go on a cruise next week either. But what if, and this is what we're hearing right now, what if you could go to CVS and pay three bucks you know, for a test, you know, you can test yourself and have, you know, results instantaneously, whether you have COVID or not. And everybody had a proof of healthiness to get on that cruise. And then at right at the cruise line, 
they have this artificial intelligence that's out there right now that can actually listen to your cough and tell you whether you have COVID or just a cold. Now, if everybody had proof that they didn't have COVID, they weren't infected, would you go on that cruise? Absolutely. And I think that's where we're headed, guys. Yeah, I agree with you, Bob, because like we don't know when that actual vaccine is going to come out. Could it be a year from now? You know, when are we going to be even comfortable to take a vaccine? You might say, well, you know, maybe I'll wait and make sure I'm not the guinea pig when that vaccine <laughs> is actually available to the masses. But to your point, necessity is the mother of invention. And there's all these amazing new technologies out there. Like you just mentioned, this MIT study that just came out. So they can analyze your cough, even if you're asymptomatic. And it can figure out if you have the virus or not. Like, that's incredible. Imagine just going right on your phone every morning, coughing into it to make sure you don't have the virus. And if you have everybody doing that in mass, well, what a great way to control the virus and get people comfortable. Like Chris getting back on that cruise and going back to those all-you-can-eat buffets that he loves. Well, you know, guys, I think that's really the whole idea is that the second lockdown that everybody's been thinking about, like Chris's client since March, you know, that's already priced in the market. So what's the market looking forward to? What's going to drive the market higher? What do you guys think? Yeah, there's plenty of things that are going to drive stocks higher. Like take our man, Jay Powell down in Washington. He's committed to keeping rates low through 2023. And furthermore, we're probably going to get some kind of stimulus, whether it be at the end of this year or beginning of next year. Exactly, right? We're looking for more stimulus, which arguably, I don't am sure we even need because you start looking at some of the other data out there. Like we start talking about earnings. And at the end of the day, guys, that's what really matters is the market's a slave to earnings. And you start looking at companies next year, their profits are going to be awesome. You know, we're going to see double digit earnings in the S&P. Start looking at small cap stocks, which is something we have in our portfolios. They're going to be somewhere like 10% above where they were in 2019. You're starting to see earnings that are better than where we were pre-pandemic next year. So, you know, from everywhere, every vantage point you start thinking about next year, it's starting to line up to be even better than where we were before the pandemic even started, which is remarkable. You know, the amount we've recovered is just so remarkable. And I think it doesn't get enough press. Well, you guys know, because you've been around me a long time, I love equities. I love the stock market. And I always tell you, stock prices are the slaves of earnings, right? Stocks are slaves to earnings power. And as you just said, Rye, earnings are going up. But you know what's coming up right behind it are dividends. Last week, there was the biggest group of companies increasing their dividends. 62 companies increased their dividend last week. And that's as big a week as we had since February of this year. So back in the dire, dark days of March and April, the Pundits were telling us, oh, they're going to cut dividends. The economy is going to crash. Well, they were wrong again. Dividends are going up. And if Chris is right, if my man, Jerome Powell, is going to keep interest rates at zero, then there is no alternative if you need income. And you got blue chip companies not only paying a dividend, but been increasing them every year for 60 years in a row, 50 years in a row. And they didn't skip 2020. So I tell you what, things look really good if you're an equity investor and not just for appreciation, but also for income. So you guys can buy me lunch, you know, when the market hits a new high. Well, talk about the obvious trade, right? Because we're in a world where there's no yield. Everyone's talking about we're in a yield starved world, given the fact that the 10 year treasury now pays a handsome, you know, 0.9% or whatever it is today. <laughs> and meanwhile, stock dividends are going up, income's going up, Bob, but it also speaks to me in the sense that every company is saying, hey, our picture looks good next year. We're comfortable paying some of our profits out now where they weren't comfortable just a couple months ago. So I think to me, that's a vote on the future, right? If you're comfortable paying your profits out, that says your future looks pretty good. And another stat that I saw too that I just think speaks to 
just how entrepreneurial and how innovative and just how resourceful Americans are. You know, they had 1.5 million businesses form in the last quarter. So that's like 80% quarter over quarter. So that means that as we're coming out of this recession, businesses are getting started again. People are looking for opportunity and they're doing it on a huge, huge scale. That has to bode well for the economy next year and just looking forward in general. That's a really good point, Ryan. And to that point about new businesses being started, the Census Bureau says that about 30% of those are going to be creating jobs, which is going to help with our unemployment issues. I got to tell you guys, I love your shared optimism, but you know what? Don't take Ryan and Chris and Bob's word for it. Just check and see what my mentor, Jeremy Siegel, is saying down at the Wharton School. He's telling us next year, 2021, is going to be one of the greatest years ever for the economy. So I'm going to go with Ryan and Chris and Bob and Dr. Siegel. It's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And you know, guys, we often talk about how solid financial planning is really like a game of inches, meaning it's usually those little tweaks that you make along the way that have the biggest impact on your financial goals. So although we could talk about some of those pro moves we do for the 2,000 or so families that we manage at Payne Capital Management that have a huge impact on your financial life long-term. The first one in my mind is avoiding placing big bets. You know, guys, I've always taught you this. It's the uh, stock market, you know, trying to pick individual stocks. It's like trying to pick the winner you know, in a beauty contest because your definition of beauty really doesn't matter on who the winner is. You may think you know, that candidate's better looking than that candidate and more talented. But what it comes down to, if you're going to pick the winner of a beauty contest, you got to figure out what's the judge's view of beauty. You know, what do they think looks beautiful versus what you do? So you got to figure out what the judges think looks beautiful to pick the winner and the same thing in the stock market. It's not about picking good companies. It's about figuring out the judges, the people that are buying stocks, you know, what they consider good companies. And you know what? Unless you can read people's minds, you might as well just go to the racetrack. Well, it reminds me of the old Warren Buffett saying, you know, in the short term, the market is a voting machine, not a weighing machine, right? So it's kind of like whatever is popular at the moment. And as we know right now, big tech is probably the perfect example. Companies like Tesla trading through the roof right now. And who would have anticipated that there would be this huge love for a lot of these stocks that make no money or very little money, <laughs> right? It's You don't know until it happens. And then the other question is, you know, how long does that bet work? Well, like just before the election, I kept getting questions from clients like, hey, Bob, if there's a blue wave, what stocks do better? If there's a red wave, what stocks do better? Well, you know, four years ago, nobody anticipated Trump winning. And when he did, you know, they made big bets on the coal industry. Well, it turned out natural gas was a better deal. Natural gas did really well. Coal did horrible. They thought that the defense stocks and aerospace was going to be big winners. And they were for about a week. But over the last four years, they underperformed the S&P 500. So making big bets is the only way you can be correct. It's like betting on the Super Bowl, Chris, right? I can give you 100% with certainty who's going to win the Super Bowl the Monday or Tuesday after the game. Trying to pick it beforehand is really hard. Well, Dad, they always said that you were a great Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> so true, buddy. So true. Well, the other thing that we're not really talking about is the other side of that coin. It's like, well, how do you get money in the market without you know, being an all or nothing proposition? And I think you know, that is what's something called dollar cost averaging, where 
you know, you're taking a set amount of money over a set period of time, you're adding it in slowly. By doing that, you know, you're catching the highs and the lows of the market. That's why having a thing like the 401k is such an advantage is because, again, you're adding in specific amounts of money over a specific period of time. Yeah, that's a great point, Chris, because they did a study on dollar cost averaging. And if you just took a 10-year period or a 20-year period, and you only bought you know, when the market made a new low versus just dollar cost averaging on a monthly basis, you outperform dramatically by dollar cost averaging by, as you said, buying sometimes high, sometimes low. Even if you had perfect timing on buying the dips, you way outperform the market by being a systematic investor. One, that's exactly right, Dad. And you know, you always say that the opposite of being exactly right is exactly wrong. So, <laughs> you know, why not find somewhere in the middle? You know, being precisely wrong is like the worst way to live your life. And who wants to have to be that right all the time? Right. I can give you a long list. <laughs> and I think that's what's going on right now specifically is, you know, like to your point, is these strategists love to tell you under different scenarios what's going to happen. But, you know, the cruel irony is, you know, they usually get it completely wrong. And however you think something is going to react, we talk about this a lot, like we think, well, if this happens, then clearly the market's going to react this way. Or if this happens, the market's going to react that way. Like you go back to the election back in 2016, you know, conventional wisdom on Wall Street was if Trump was elected, you pretty much could take 10 to 15% off the S&P 500. And, you know, they were right for about a couple hours before the market opened. <laughs> and then the market opened and the market went gangbusters. Well, you know, Rod, you were just ranting the other day about Wall Street strategists, one of your favorite topics. And you just talked about their vocabulary and all the goofy words they use that mean nothing but sounds so good. You know, the interesting thing too is now we're in a situation where a lot of different things can happen, right? We have all these governments around the world printing money and you hear a lot about inflation might kick in at some point here and it could kick in. You know, if I knew the perfect day, I'd be on my yacht and invite you guys out on my yacht, but I don't know that perfect day. And you're starting to see the international markets go up. The dollar's starting to weaken. So I think when you're building your portfolio right now, what you have to think about is there's lots of different things that can happen. And you wouldn't be able to capitalize on anything that happens regardless. And these strategists aren't going to figure out ahead of time. And that's why you want to be diversified is because you want to have your portfolio essentially set up for lots of different situations that could transpire over the next 12 months, 24 months, you know, next couple of years. You know, I think that, and that points to why it's so important to have a trusted advisor. You know, Chris, I remember sitting with you back during the pandemic and you were rebalancing one client after another based on the big drop in the stock market and taking profits in your bond portfolio rebalance. And the client's like, Chris, are you sure this is the right thing to do? He said, what if it doesn't work? I mean, what if the market goes down further? And you said something I thought was the most brilliant thing I've ever heard you say. Well, we'll rebalance again. And we'll rebalance until we get it back to the target because eventually the market does settle out. But if you're always buying low and rebalancing your portfolio, guess what? All you do is make money. Yeah, I do remember that, Dad, and I still have uh, agita in my stomach from those dark days of the pandemic. But yeah, I mean, the reality is is that you know if you stay consistent, if you follow a strategy that's consistent with your goals, you know, I look forward to those moments because you know that's the greatest opportunity, that's the greatest time that we have the ability to shine and show our clients that that's how we make money is making those tough decisions and rebalancing the portfolio when the time comes. Well, I think the idea here, guys, in our experience is you don't want to base your investment strategy predicated on having to know. <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world because it's like the weather, right? You know, if you had a week to week, you had to predict the weather accurately, you'd fail because it's trying to predict something that's completely unpredictable, right? So if you build a portfolio that's based on your discipline, that has nothing to do with knowing what's going to happen next. I said the best edge you can have when you're an investor is not having an edge. <laughs> it's when you believe you have an edge. Is typically when you put yourself behind the eight ball and you make bad decisions. 
But when you realize, look, I can't predict what's going to happen next. I don't know exactly how things are going to turn out over the next year, two years. Well, that's when you win because going back to what I said before, that's when you have a strategy that can basically account for anything that can happen. And that's really what good investing is versus bad investing. Yeah. Now we call that process-driven investing. I mean, I find so many people are investing, so many of you invest on event-driven, like trying to predict the future, trying to game how the market's going to react to how things go in the future. That is something where you invest on anticipation. I've never seen it work. It's really frustrating. And I think everyone has to recognize is that the financial markets are auctions. So everybody who's buying is being met by a seller. Everybody's selling being met by a buyer. So whatever you think, there's somebody who's thinking the exact opposite of you, you know, if you're buying or selling. So when you have millions and millions of people making decisions every second of the day, you got to try and now guess what they're all going to do based on some news that you think you have an edge on. Unless you have inside information and nobody ever does, you're better to follow a process. Well, the funny thing about that, Dad, is anybody that I've ever talked to that fully believes in time in the market almost always has a lot of lost carry forwards that they can use to <laughs> offset future gains. So what that means is that basically they've done a bad job at time in the market. So they've had losses now that they're carrying forward as a result of, of their supposed poor picks. You know, Chris, there is a definition for that. It's called insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, that seems to be uh, prevalent in the market timing investment world. Yeah, I'll tell you what, guys, this is great advice. But, you know, if you think about it, you know, Noah didn't start building his ark when it started to rain, right? He had it already built. He was all prepared, you know, before the flood came. You know, I think that advice is well taken. Make sure you have a plan where you're ready for whatever the markets throw at you. Bob, Chris, and I now have spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach here on this podcast, along with some due diligence on your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review at www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance. Random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Okay, Bob, Hawaiian Blues. There was a 69% year-over-year drop in total visitor arrivals to the Hawaiian Islands through August. Unemployment figures released on Tuesday showed Hawaii had a 15.1 unemployment rate, the highest in the nation. There it is, Rai. They're just a victim of what's happening in the hospitality industry and destinations because of COVID. And you know, they're going to be big beneficiaries when there's either a vaccine, a therapeutic, or people are able to do self-testing or take advantage of that artificial intelligence algorithm that can detect you know, whether your cough reflects having COVID or not. I said, it's going to be reopening soon. So those numbers, I think, will reverse very quickly next year. I love your optimism, Bob. Chris, on a brighter note, which I mentioned earlier on the show today, Americans continue to create new businesses in surprising numbers a potential tailwind for the economy. New business formation hit 1.5 million in the third quarter, up 82% from a year earlier. Wow. That's pretty amazing considering you know things seem pretty bleak this year. But as the old saying goes, 
see a need, fill a need. So, you know, that just goes to show you the uh, entrepreneurial spirit of our uh, capitalist nation. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable here in New York City, even where so many things have been shut down and businesses have been closed, there's already new businesses popping up, which just has to be a good sign for the future. Bob, US online holiday shopping is expected to grow 33% this year, up $189 billion. Amazon plans to hire 100,000 temporary workers for the holidays. Just a good reminder, job growth follows economic growth. Yeah, great point, Ry. You know, with Amazon, they tripled their profits last quarter. And, you know, based on their conference call, they expect the fourth quarter to be even bigger. And it just goes to show you, you can never discount the American consumer. Since I've been born, economists have been telling me the consumer's done. They're never done. Not in this country, especially your mom. The sun rises in the east. Mom and Americans spend. So true. All right, Chris, Twitter has just under 200 million users, still well below Facebook's combined 2.5 billion daily active users, about a third of the world's population. And as a side note, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, appeared on screen for a virtual congressional hearing looking like Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. I can tell you one thing. Jack Dorsey certainly did not have the force with him that day because the stocks dropped about 25% since that tech hearing. Okay, Bob, forget mega cap tech. Small company earnings should rebound sharply in 2021 to more than 10% above 2019 levels. Hey, Rye, this statement is chock full of Bobisms. You know, number one, nothing grows to the sky, right? All markets, all segments of the market, all stocks revert to the mean. Eventually, you know, tech stocks will have an average return as opposed to a spectacular outperformance. Nonetheless, They've outperformed for 10 years. So that's another Bobism. Past performance is 100% indicative of past performance. It doesn't tell you what's going to happen in the future. And one thing I do know is that Megatech way outperformed small caps. But it looks like that's reversing now. And this may be the reason, you know, because you're seeing this big earnings rebound. But I'll tell you what, Ry, you know what? I'm going to continue to own small cap stocks. I'm adding more money there. I'm not getting rid of my mega cap stocks just yet. Diversification, Bob. It's a cornerstone of a good investment plan. Chris, Adina Friedman, the president and CEO of the NASDAQ Incorporated, claims that although algorithmic trading influences market movement, good old human sentiment still deserves most of the credit or blame for how stock prices move. Yeah, I completely agree with Adina Friedman, the fact that whenever I've been talking to my clients prior to the election, and even during the pandemic, you know, so many people wanted to get out, not based on their long-term goals, but just based on how they were feeling. You know, they were feeling panicky and nervous, which was driving them out. Whereas the other side of that coin, you know, I sense when the markets are doing well, people want to take more risk and they want to own more stock, not less. Yep, Chris, at the end of the day, you know, they have all these robo advisors, all these machines that are supposed to be able to outgame the system, but human emotion, old school, still is the biggest barrier between being a good investor and being a bad investor. Listen, guys, great show today. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Ryan, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at bebullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.
Thank you.